What is going on, people? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Critic Podcast. Thank you once again for joining me for another very special episode. I really appreciate your support. And we are joined today by another very, very special guest and yet another member of the GSA family. This could be called the GSA Podcast at some point. There's so many people on, but hey, I'm happy. <laughs> so today my guest is the wonderful Katie Crooks. And uh, let's take a moment to introduce Katie. Uh, I first met Katie a few weeks ago at a careers event at GSA, and she, like myself, trained with the wonderful Chris Palmer, who's also been on the show. Uh, Katie uh, went to GSA and since has gone on to be a hypnotherapist with an extensive background in theatre, voice and performance, who helps creatives, who helps, bleh, helps creatives uh, such as actors, performers, dancers, anything in the, in, in the creative industry, heal fear, anxiety and mental blocks so they can get their voice back and show up as the artist they were truly meant to be. With three degrees, that's three degrees from the University of Exeter and of course from GSA, plus a hypnotherapy certification, she is an expert at transforming uh, self-sabotage and limitation into inspiration and freedom. She has a unique gift for guiding people in their craft so they can access their inner well-being and connect to their deeper creative self. She has a wealth of experience and, a vo and as, as a voice coach, having taught singing and speaks to professionals in the industry for the last 20 years. She also has an abundance of experience as a singer, actor, musician and voice coach combined with a passion for unlocking blocks at a deeper level than just the mechanics of the voice and performance. And if that's not enough, she also has her own swing band. And I'm sure you can be able to catch clips of that on YouTube and on her website, which is in the description down below. So, yeah, that's um, wow. you're like a superhero for actors in a way. <laughs> that, that's the first time I've actually heard anyone read that testimony, that that. Um bio black and gosh it does it does when you take stock about what the things are that you've done it it's it's quite empowering for one actually we were just talking earlier weren't we about how, how the difference between arrogance and self-assurance mm. and how and, and it's it's a completely different thing when you're self-assured and you say right i've got this background i know what i'm doing but i'm a long way from perfect because everybody's got things to improve on Oof that self-assurance, not arrogance. I think arrogance comes from insecurity, but self-assurance comes from a knowing that, that we all love engaging with our creativity and finding ways to make that happen. And it's, and it's okay to say, yeah, I do this. Yeah, of course you don't, don't feel, you know, don't feel upset about that at all. You know, I'm not saying you are, but it's fantastic what you've done. <laughs> so yeah. I always, uh, to begin at the beginning, as Dylan Thomas says, um, where did because mm. I know you started off at Exeter and you did a degree in music and, mm. and things like that. Um, so where did the I know we've got two aspects of it. We've got the arts and we've got hypnotherapy kind of intertwined in one. But where did the uh, inspiration to be an artist or be involved with the arts? Where did that come from? Oh my gosh, from as long as I can remember. My mm. first knowledge was when I was so little and my father was rehearsing a choir. They were doing. Um, a piece of Bach and the orchestra, came, no, Beethoven, the orchestra came up with this music in in between, they were rehearsing the bit in between and I just leapt up. I was probably about three and just went, dance, daddy, dance. I just had to, I had to move to music. And so it was, you know, it, I think you can probably relate to that innate need to be creative, to, to have something come from us and through us as an artist. So Exeter University was, great fun and I always knew I wanted to do music it was terrible academically I'm ADHD but I knew that I, I wanted to, to 
do what I had to do in order to get where I wanted to be in. And I, all I knew back then is that I needed to do something to do with music and performance. I just didn't know what. So I went to university, did music and then did as much performance as I could physical performance, which during an academic degree is not so easy. And then as soon as I finished Exeter, I just fell straight into teaching singing, which was amazing, a brilliant experience. But I mean, the first few times I went into a singing lesson to give a singing lesson, I had no idea what I was doing. I was learning completely off the cuff, just doing what I'd been taught. Yeah, um, yeah it taught me a lot. So yeah. that's the beginning. So I, am I right taking you play the piano as well? I yeah, I play for my students. Oh God, yeah. that's, that's one thing I really want to, it's, it's on the bucket list to learn the piano at some point. It's very rewarding. Yeah. It, you just have to do little and often, like with anything, you're in this, the hypnotherapist in me wants to say that you, you're, you're creating neurological pathways in your brain. So every time you practice a scale, those neural pathways strengthen and then your finger patterns and your muscles get stronger, of course. Yeah. But it's all neural pathways that you're developing in your brain. So you're, you're, you're strengthening the ones that you want to by practicing little and often every single day. It's the same with acting. It's the same with singing technique, all of it, you know? Yeah, I read somewhere that um, if you want to try and break habits, that you, you've got to like practice breaking those habits and then you're actually kind of re rewiring your brain to sort of leave those old, uh, old, old habits behind. You know, is that a credible thing? Yeah, 100%. You're, and in terms of thinking habits as well as physical habits, what, what we're doing with certainly with hypnotherapy is you're effectively putting a roadblock up in front of the old neurological pathway and re-diverting your brain to a new pathway that you want to have. Mm. So if you have a, a habit of waking up in the morning with negative thoughts, then you want to you want to put a roadblock up and start to steer that away. And there, I mean, there are so many different ways of doing that. That's one of the things we do in hypnotherapy. Um, but that's also the reason why I interrupt people a lot during conversation, because if someone's talking about their problem and saying, oh, and this happened and I think it was this, what they're doing is strengthening the neural pathways in their brain that they don't want. Mm. And I'll say, stop, hang on. I'm just going to re-divert you. How about what? How would you feel if you did blah, blah, blah instead? which can get quite annoying for some of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you actually a, a non-hypnotherapy trick, yeah. which, I mean, there's so much crossover, you know, I think you can't put hypnosis in a box. There are just so many different aspects yeah. of what we do. Oh. But James Clear is a, um, a writer, an inspirer, and he talks about habit stacking. One of the best ways to break an old habit is, is obviously to replace it with a new one. But the that but what James Clear suggests is that you stack a new habit onto a current habit. That's a really powerful thing to do. So if you want to start flossing your teeth, floss your teeth immediately after brushing your teeth, and just and then you're stacking the habit onto the next one. So yeah, fantastic. Have a lot of fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings me on to part two of um, sort of in, beginning of inspirations. Where did uh, the need to become uh, a hypnotherapist or the need to help? Uh, others where did that come from that came from if i'm really honest probably the first week of teaching singing in a practice room with students who were so terrified of saying boo to a goose they they couldn't open their mouth to sing and i was thinking this is this is crazy what is this cultural thing we have in this country in so many western countries where people are so afraid to share their voice uh and i I knew from 
almost week one that something something had to change with with these people in psychologically emotionally in order for them to feel comfortable sharing their voice because i was creating a, a hopefully hopefully a safe environment where they felt that they could use their voice and still they were stopping themselves so i knew back then and i started to get interested straight away but then it was my own journey um a few years probably about three or four years later where i decided I wanted to further my training, so I started auditioning for drama schools in musical theatre. Yeah. Then I realised my own mental hang-ups were holding me back. I didn't look into hypnotherapy then. I did that MA in musical theatre, <laughs> got an agent, did all you know, did all the did bits and bobs, did a few shows, did lots of auditioning. Realised it wasn't me, and then came back and did a second MA in voice. Yeah. By this point, I understood a little bit about the subconscious mind. I'd read a few books, and it was at the end of my voice training with Chris Palmer, uh, that I started to then get jobs teaching voice, spoken voice alongside my singing teaching. And I was doing all this relaxation work in the in the studio with these actors. And they were going into these deep places and these guided visualizations where we were focusing on unlocking the, the body or imagining your voice like a, a as if you're coloring it in that exercise the coloring in the voice and all of these exercises and i and i thought there's there's something deep happening here there's some shifts happening and then quite quite a few times students afterwards would say to me have you ever thought about becoming a hypnotherapist because that was really relaxing and they would say things like katie can we can we just record your relaxation session this week and i was thinking oh there's something in this yeah, exactly. An opportunity to actually help people on a deeper level than just fixing the mechanics of their voice. Yeah. Because I was also I started to realize that every time someone came into a session, whether it was a group practical voice session or a one to one singing, that their physical difficulties with their voice, the muscular muscular difficulties were almost always down to some kind of emotional or mental block. For example, if they walked in to the room with with their sternum collapsed mm. and they were straining like this, then I could almost put my money on the fact that something had happened that week. And I, quite often we'd be halfway through the lesson and I'd say it's, it's not quite shifting how I want it to shift. You mm. keep dropping into this posture. I said, what's what's going on? Has something happened this week? And that would usually cause them to go, oh, <laughs> my grandma died or my cat died or this happened. And I started to realize that I had to hold space for people in a different way in their lessons um, and be really mindful of how their mental and emotional journey was influencing their vocal setup. Postures one, tongue tension is a, is a classic, you know, if we stop ourselves crying, then the tongue tenses. And when the tongue tenses, the thyroid cartilage can't shift into cry position or head register. Mm -hmm. And when it can't go into that place, it's very difficult to find the upper registers generally in your voice. And so I thought, well, I can either teach them how to stretch their tongue out or I can help people release the emotion that was causing them to grip their tongue in the first place. And I, I realized that that was going to be a far more efficient way of helping people with their voice problems. So there are lots of different different kind of lights going off, guiding me towards hypnosis. And then it was my own emotional journey when I had a um, a, a painful breakup as we've all experienced in life um, if, quite a few years ago and you know at the time my life felt like it had fallen apart but it was the best thing that happened for me because it put me on this journey of self-discovery self-growth 
and I started to learn that the reason I attracted dramas in my life was because of my own subconscious beliefs about what I was worthy of. So there was that work as well as the voice work. And it was as if every single signpost in my life was, was going, come on woman, you, this is what you're meant to do. You're meant to be helping artists take down the, yeah, the mental, emotional um, blocks. And even on a spiritual level, helping them really unlock what their soul's purpose is. You know, yeah. that's becoming really transparent the more I do this work. That was a lot of me talking. <laughs> no, 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 it's great. I love, I love hearing you hearing you speak. It's great. Uh, mm. Yeah, I resonate with that a, a lot. Um, you know, just even being on the acting journey, just in general. Mm. You know, I remember thinking, you know, getting stuck in this silly thought pattern, thinking, oh well, you know. And I have a, I think we talked about this before we were discussing the questions for today. But I have a, a very strong hatred of the phrase, and I'm going to say it. Uh, Proper job. <laughs> proper job. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, no, no, gonna... Proper, proper, P R O P R. Yes. Oh, yes. God, just oh. one over on it. Yes, well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, oh. so when you first said proper job, I'm from Cornwall, and down in Cornwall, we say proper job to everything. Yeah. So when you said, I thought that, yeah. So there's, there's a reframe for you, and that's the hypnotherapist in me going, oh, a little reframe, so that you can have a different emotional charge. To yeah. the great job. Yeah, so, lovely beer. There you go. I say. <laughs> uh, say that again. It's a nice beer as well. It's a lovely bitter you get down in Cornwall as well. <laughs> that's right. Is that that's an Austral brewery or tinners? Anyway, anyway. So yeah, a proper a proper job. You know what? Wow. If a, you've probably heard this right, if a lawyer is a lawyer, yes, and they're not working. They're still a lawyer. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But so I, I got caught in this mindset. I remember going, I still don't know why I did this. I think I've talked about this on a previous episode, but I got, I went for an interview for this IT company. This was about a few years ago now. Don't know why I did it. But I just got caught up in this thing of, oh, well, let's see what the real world is like. <laughs> the muggle world. <laughs> exactly. But uh, and I remember just sitting on the train and getting to London and I was sitting on the train and my instincts were just saying to me, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. What, what, what are you doing? And I was just like, yeah, what am I doing? What am I doing? And I got to London. The interview was a total car crash, thankfully, but uh, I didn't want to work there. I walked in the office, just, it was almost like a, someone just stuck a, an emotional or, or energy vacuum in the middle of the room. And it was just on the whole time and just the energy yeah. sucked out of you the whole time. And I was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be here right now. So thankfully the interview was a complete disaster and just walked straight out the door and I thought, I'm never, ever doing that again. And just, you know, I know what I want to do. So, um, yeah, and it's so... No, yeah, sorry. <laughs> there's no such thing as failure. There's only feedback, right? That experience in the office yeah. told you exactly what you needed to know at that point in your life so right. that you could change direction and, and move to the thing that you are meant to be doing in your that you know in your gut and your in your heart yeah heart gut and soul were just saying to me holly come on mate <laughs> come on mate. this isn't you uh exactly the same thing the energy in those places just like energy vampires just suck you of, and it's because you're not in alignment with what you're meant to be doing when you are in alignment you're mm there's something i don't know we hold ourselves differently we breathe differently I, I swear our heart beats differently we just everything about us is you can tell can't you when your energy goes up it's it's as if you're 
your inner voice, your soul, your your heart, your gut, whatever you want to call it, is saying, yeah, this is what I'm meant to be doing. When you feel the energy drop, it's telling you I shouldn't be doing this. And I think the more intuitive we become, the, the better we become in our careers as artists. I think developing the skill of intuition is such a massive part of what you do as an actor, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think... Um... You know, you listen to your instincts a lot more and then that sort of leads you into the realm of like, oh, I wasn't, wasn't expecting that, but I just follow my instinct. And it's like, oh, that's great. And you know, you have those moments in life where you sort of at first go, well, oh, this is kind of weird and lovely. But then you, then you sort of know, okay, no, this is actually quite good. This is good. I'm on the right track here. Which yeah, you're uh, absolutely right. I'd love, to, I'd love to speak into that a little bit. So yeah, in, as a... As an artist, we we get into flow state, right? Mm. Flow state is exactly the same brainwave state as hypnosis. I did not know that. Yeah. So what? So there are four main main brainwave states. There there is other stuff, but basically the main four, excuse me, is beta, alpha, mm -hmm. theta, and delta. Okay. Now delta is sleep. So when we do hypnosis we don't use, we don't necessarily go as deep as that because although some clients do go very deep and you can drop into Delta, but still be in a waking state, there's different search finding out different things, but basically in a nutshell, Delta is sleep. Beta is conscious, aware, awake, exactly as we are right now. So between those two is Alpha and Theta. That's where you're daydreaming that's where when you go for a drive and you're staring kind of staring at the road and you get there and think oh that felt like half an hour for a five-hour journey that's called time distortion that happens when your brain is in alpha or theta mm -hmm. when you go deeper and deeper into theta that's that's where um, quite often your best creative ideas come up well in 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 any of that wedge alpha down to theta that's when your brain has the best Basically, in a nutshell, the conscious part of your brain, the blah, 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 as I call them, you know, the limiting factors uh -huh. tend to just drift off into the background so that you can access the deeper part of your subconscious mind, your unconscious. When you're in that state, you, you, the conscious part, the blah, 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 doesn't get in the way. It doesn't, it doesn't put a roadblock in front of your creative process. And so that's why when you drop into a deeply relaxed state and then you rehearse or then you practice, quite often you have these moments, these, these, it's as if something comes through you that isn't you oh. in your creative, a, a, an instinct comes out to do this in this scene or to say the line in that way that you'd never thought of before because your conscious mind isn't getting in the way. Mm. That was a bit rambly, but does that make sense? No, it's great. No, no, don't, don't ever worry about, you know, explain as much detail as you want. It's really fascinating. Oh, good, I love to talk about it. <laughs> yes, yes, I mean, I want, I want you to talk about it. Right? Every detail that you want to. This is what today's all about. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, we talked a lot about um, at the careers event that's at um, just here on campus, actually, where I sort of met you for the first time. It was very lovely to talk to you about the. I suppose you had like a variety of, of subjects. You were approached by actors, MTs, musical theatre people. Um, mm -hmm actor musicians and just people just in general I think you wanted to know a bit more about the connections and the relationship between actors and mental health and things like that um I think one of the this brings me to the, one of the questions we talked about which was what are some of the like frequently asked questions of yourself when you specifically talk to actors and how do you answer those questions uh well one of the questions is 
and this one makes me chuckle a little bit. People say, um, can you hypnotize me? <laughs> and and I, I always say, well, that's a bit like saying, can you hug me? I mean, yeah, of course I can. Do you want me to? <laughs> it's it. I think there's this myth that hypnosis is something where you're not fully in control, but you are fully in control during hypnosis. Yeah. So there's no, it's not mind control. Um, and stage hypnosis has a heck of a lot to answer for mm. in, in terms of the way they portray hypnosis as this thing that is to make people, you know, do silly things. It's, it's simply not the case. We, you're not going to do anything that you wouldn't do consciously. Hypnosis does reduce inhibition, but it's still only going to allow you to do what you would do. You could argue it's completely different from drinking alcohol, but you could argue that alcohol reduces inhibition to, and, and allows you to do things you might not normally do. Uh, having said that, hypnosis is very, very different. I shouldn't even compare it because it's completely different because hypnosis is a a powerfully um, empowering experience to be in because you because everyone can access it basically coming back to the question you you can go into hypnosis if you choose uh -huh. whenever you want the more you do it the better you get at it so now i have the ability because i i go into hypnosis into trance when i'm with my clients because then i'm tuning into them and that's when i get my best instincts as well uh -huh. so I've learned how to just close my eyes, take a couple of deep breaths and start to drop in very, very quickly. But the first time someone has a go at hypnosis, they might find that they they go into a light hypnosis and that's fine because they're still gonna get the results that they want. So when someone says, am I hypnotizable? I'll say, well, first of all, yes, because we all go into it repeatedly throughout our day, every time we watch TV, every time we stare out the window and daydream, every time we're having a chat now, you could argue that that's a form of trance because we're focused on something. Um, but the other thing I'll say when someone, yeah, exactly. When, when someone asks, um, am I hypnotizable? Is I'll also say, well, you don't actually need to go into a deep hypnosis to have change because I'm using language to guide I'm always using language to guide your subconscious mind to the result to the results that you want anyway some people call it conversational hypnosis it's not possible to get someone to do or say or think anything they don't want to do but it's the difference between me saying to you try and relax which is not going to work because the, the word try means to fail and me saying to you I wonder how you'd feel if you could relax right now so I'm using language to guide your subconscious mind into thinking, oh, I wonder how it would feel if I could relax right now. And that immediately makes you go, oh, I feel more relaxed. <laughs> so that's a very, that's how I use language in the sessions. I wonder how amazing you'll feel when you can stand on stage feeling confident now. Mm. So I put a now at the end of a sentence. Yeah, I've just got you to imagine standing on stage feeling confident now. <laughs> So I'm always in the hypnosis sessions that I do, I'm constantly directing you to where you want to be going. So it's not it, the the actual deepening into relaxation and the change work is is sometimes just a formality because we've already done the change work in the conversation. Sometimes um, the conversation is short and I'll say, right, let's just dive in and do the whole session on going into a deeply relaxed state and we'll do the work in there because when you're in hypnosis, your subconscious mind, basically, we don't give a great deal of weight to what the conscious mind thinks. 
we do go into where what the subconscious mind has got to say about it as well so so that's where going into hypnosis a deeper hypnosis and doing the change work is really really powerful as well so there are there are different ways that one can use hypnosis to to create change positive change yeah that's great i, I remember us talking about the kind of what's the word not the um kind of like the stereotypical image of of hypnotherapy and how that is just a load of nonsense <laughs> a load of nonsense you know if anyone watching on youtube now is just you know like you see that well the the argument actually <laughs> is <laughs> yeah i mean that's the thing there are two things that one is this kind of idea of that i'm in control and all that nonsense bs but at the same time the swinging watch actually can work no. you're never going to catch me using it because okay. i think i think it would give me a lack of credibility because it although it can work you it language is i, I find language is far more powerful because your and language is i think a more nuanced way because when i'm talking someone into a, a relaxed state whether it's a light state or a deep state i'm constantly using language to get them to um focus on the feelings that they want to have and also the knowledge that they can change. So I'm always making suggestions through, with language as they deepen into relaxation. But a swinging watch can work because when you watch something like that that's, re um, that's repeated, it has a hypnotic quality. You know, um, the same with those little spinny things that you hold and spin round. Mm. That can create a state of hypnosis. Um, but but it, I'm not going to use that stuff. Do you, you know what I mean? Can you imagine me doing a, a deeply relaxing session going, look at this spinny thing. You know, <laughs> it's no. not going to go there. Yeah. <laughs> you see that on The Simpsons and stuff, and it's just like this thing. And you see it in the character's eyes, and then it just... Oh, I don't even talk about that stuff to my clients. I don't even bring it up as an image because, because I want people to know that it's safe. Mm. And you are always in control yeah because the thing is if i tried let's face it if i tried to hypnotize you to turn your hair blue like mine you and if you were even if you were in a deep deep hypnosis you might you would probably either open your eyes and look at me and say um no or you keep your eyes closed because you're deeply relaxed and just reject the suggestion i just would let it just wash past you it's yeah. not what i want so I couldn't hypnotize you to rob a bank. Otherwise, all hypnotherapists would be billionaires. Well, actually we wouldn't because we all have very good morals, or at least I do. So there's always integrity. And this is the thing, <laughs> is that again? Most of us anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's always, we're very much trained that from the beginning that everything is done with integrity. Yeah. Everything is only ever for someone's highest and greatest good. So, and there are some trainings which actually make the suggestion to someone that you will n not learn at this if you have any intentions that are not good. Yeah. You will only get success if you are, everything is for the highest and greatest good. So it's every single hypnotherapy training I've done, that's been one of the first things that people have talked about is that we're here to create positive change in the world, mm. you know? And that's where if, can you imagine, I'm using the hypnotic language, can you imagine if every single person in the world 
recognize that hypnotherapy would be it is a, a powerful way of changing that old anxiety those old anxious habits into something beneficial mm. um so many more people would get change so many people would would use it as a tool to to heal their anxiety to do the deeper change work mm. um it you know ah that's a soapbox I could stand on for a very long time. Hollywood and stage hypnosis really bring about a, a very different mentality about hypnosis that's just simply not yeah. not helpful to people who really want to heal things. Yeah, that's, that's so interesting because it's almost like we kind of, I'm just getting this image now of, um, it's like <laughs> I'm getting an image, it's coming to me, and mm -hmm. uh, of this sort of way that, and I'm certainly guilty of this, is that we sort of go, because I, I tried for drama school a few times before I, before I got in. And uh, it's almost like, I remember getting on the train one morning to go to, funny enough, to GSA, and uh, thinking to myself, okay, okay, well, I'm just gonna, and I was going over my lines in my head, which mm -hmm. by the way, before an audition, don't do that. And- uh, The conscious mind knows it all, it's all in there. Yeah, it knows, but, and, but then again, it was like this, self-sabotage of like okay look okay okay so this line after this one is it that one on it and it's like oh and then it all just yeah. like yeah. I've definitely done that many many not many many times i'm not but definitely before and uh it's almost like you've got to just trust your ability your mind and your body as well because that's where the emotions are kept always and yeah just saying that, okay you've done the work you know the lines and just carry on and that's a massive lesson i've learned this year i think yeah I think like drama school in some ways um, is like a natural, you kind of, you're in a natural kind of hypnotized world of like to say, okay, look, all the stuff that you had before you came here, these feelings of insecurity or you're not good enough, mm -hmm. et cetera. Well, first of all, you're here, you've got to exactly. drama school. So that is a big step to say, okay, yes, you are good enough. And now exactly. it's all about taking that potential to the next step. And you just got to trust yourself and say, okay yes i've got some dirty laundry to to air to chuck out i've got some stuff in the garage in my garage of my stomach <laughs> or stuff like that i've got yeah. to get out there's a lot of dust there's a lot of uh stuff yeah. to clear out but you've got to get your hands dirty and just go in and say okay we've just got to get rid of all this stuff and just go all right you're, you are strong enough to to, to deal with that you're strong enough to go through all that yeah and the other side whether it's one year two years or three years or four years in some people's cases to um to know that it's it's okay and everything that you thought you felt yeah. weighing you down you can get rid of and that is a positive yeah. thing to do. it's such yeah oh my gosh it's such a powerful thing and do you know what there are so many different threads of, of things we could chat about based on just what you've what you've just said yeah. um, but the language of the subconscious or unconscious we use those words interchangeably the language of your unconscious mind is analogy metaphor storytelling feelings textures colors sounds imagery yeah. um some people are visual some people are auditory uh, some people focus on the, the feel you know everyone's different in how they process the information but the language of your unconscious mind is storytelling, analogy and metaphor. And so when you gave me a brilliant metaphor just then of this idea of a garage of all this, this junk, what I would do if we were working together in a one to one, Mm. I would talk you into well I wouldn't even need to talk you into a relaxation because you're simply by imagining the garage you're halfway your brains there anyway, I probably say close your eyes, 
um, you know, we'll drop down into a little bit of relaxation and then say, and then imagine this baggage in the garage. Actually, we, we would process it together. And sometimes that involves giving the baggage back to someone who may have given it to you, always with love and kindness and forgiveness, if that's appropriate. But basically, the stuff, the baggage we carry is not ours to carry. Were you, you were born pure and full of joy and curiosity and playfulness and creativity. Every human on this planet is creative. This idea that I'm not creative and this person, oh, I, I am, is, is absolute nonsense. We are all innately creative. You look at how children play. Yeah. They all are. And then some teacher comes along and gives them a belief system, also known as BS, that a belief system that, oh, you're, you're the musical one. You're, oh, you're not a dancer, you know, or you can't sing mime at the back of the choir. And they give you a belief system, baggage. I know, right? It says resonates. That resonates with so many people. Oh, this baggage. Right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and we can do an exercise around that if you like in a moment. So imagine, you know, all this, this kind of baggage that's been caked on you, like you born this amazing creative thing, being, and all this baggage has been stuck on you or filling the garage. So I would use your metaphor. Um, and that is stuff that you will have taken on. So as a child, before the age of about seven, some people say nine, different research says different things, but let's say around up to the age of seven or eight, your mind hasn't developed the the conscious the awake aware conscious part of the the brain yet that is able to say oh that teacher's having a bad day that's their baggage not mine mm -hmm. when you're six years old you don't your brain hasn't developed enough to do that so if a teacher says oh you can't sing your six-year-old you goes oh i can't sing now, not every six-year-old, some six-year-old goes, huh, screw you, I can, I'm going to anyway. And it's, so different people will take on different suggestions. Some people won't take them on, but they'll take other suggestions on instead. When you're a brain, a brain, when you're a child, your brain is, is open to so many more suggestions that that's what creates the neural pathways. Now, the great thing about hypnosis is that we can put the roadblock up and we can re-divert those pathways by healing and a, a lot of hypnotherapy is healing the inner child so where if we were working on to one together what questions i would ask you would be something like i wonder if you can imagine when you've cleared the garage of all that baggage what would you put in that garage now what would you have in there instead the right uh the right things i put what i actually want in that garage and yeah, what, what would that be Oh, it'd be a lot of Shakespeare, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah um, and emotions as well, like confidence, strength. You talked about strength. Yeah, uh, strength. Um, yeah, Shakespeare for sure. Uh, arts, art stuff. And just, I just think I'd fill it up with what I love, which is just, and, you know, if this doesn't sound too narcissistic or anything, uh, me, you know, because I think a lot of, I think a lot of things, along my journey so far is that I've been taking on a lot of other people. And like, and as you were saying just now, you know, yeah. I had a teacher in school who was just, oh, she was just 
not worth a dirt off your shoes. She was just horrible. And uh, yeah, she put me in that place of like, I didn't think I was good enough or anything like, cause like she had her favorites. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say her name, Mrs. Keene. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if she's listening to this, you. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, wait, wait, I'm going to stop you right there. So the hypnotherapist yeah. to me wants to stop that pathway in its tracks. Because yeah, yeah, you feel yeah. like you're tempted to talk about the old story. Now, my job is to listen enough to, to understand the subconscious programming that you got from Mrs. King. But then I would say we, we talk just about enough for me to get a really good sense of what you're ready to release now. And then I'd say, right, stop. How do you want to feel instead? So what do you what do you want to put in the garage? You want to put you, you your creative abilities. You want to put some Shakespeare in there. You want to put, you want to fill the garage with strength. Mm. And I don't know why, but I want to say curiosity as an artist. You didn't give me that word, but curiosity is definitely one of them. Uh, Self-love is another one. And that's huge. Yeah, which I think I've come on a lot, a lot stronger with over the last few years. Uh, yeah, and just like this feeling now is that you know I feel like, and this is probably, yeah, I'm, fuck it, I'm just gonna say it. Uh, yeah. You know, I think this feeling of um, you know we're all on a journey, and I thought that if I felt weak or if I felt vulnerable, that that meant that I was weak in general, which now I've realised is not true in the slightest you know it's just and I would you know I just I'd sometimes I look at other people and just think god they look so secure in themselves and you know they're so happy they're so lively all the time and actually if I have to take a very famous example of someone who I love dearly Mr Robin Williams who oh. you know, passed away you know nearly 10 years ago now <gasps> is it really wow yeah well it's, well it's eight years this year and then in a couple of years it'll be 10 so it's like where's that all that time gone but yeah but someone who I looked at and thought god he must have the best life he's so happy you know he's got a great wife you know he's got all the money in the world he must be just absolutely loving it and then when all this stuff came out after he died like he suffered from depression most of his life and he he had a a, a medical condition just before he died something to do with his brain and it's just like and then i'm thinking and now i watch interviews and i still love him tremendously and i see he's still a great hero of mine but sometimes i look at interviews of him now one yeah. very one of Michael Parkinson, which he did back in 2000, I think, or probably 2002, whatever it was, early 20th century. And I look at him and I think he's so happy, but he's giddy all the time. You know, we, we all know what he's like, but I kind of feel like that that was his way of kind of covering up what was really going on. And Absolutely. some people were just very good at covering up, which I look, which I think is a very, very, very unhealthy thing to do. And mm. yeah, and you know, to be frank in this in this episode, you know, I think what people need to talk about. I'm not gonna, like you said earlier, I'm not. You you can't force it on anyone, of course. But, you know, but I still think if something's bothering you, just talk to someone about it. You like yourself, a family member, a friend you can trust. Yeah. And just, yeah. I think you put that so well. I personally think that um, talking about it gives it a voice it airs it 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 makes you feel better in in the moment it makes you feel better because you've you've acknowledged it you've acknowledged so you know so much of our, our work is about our inner child right this 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 little us who's inside wanting us to basically be free and to be playful and be creative and to be loved and to be safe hmm. we have this innate need to feel safe um and heard and seen 
Um, and I, I can't remember the hierarchy of needs, but those are pretty early on in the hierarchy of needs to feel safe, to feel heard and feel seen. Um, so speaking into it is really important. You're so right. Speak about it. But I'm also inclined to say, do give it a voice, do talk about it, but also f find ways to, to allow the change to happen as well. Because by if I went round and I've done this and I still have to work at this, which is why I will continue having hypnotherapy probably for the rest of my life, because life happens, stuff comes up, you know? Yeah. 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 And I, I'm growth mindset rather than fixed mindset. And I will always recognize that I always have plen plenty of growth to do. That's what I'm here on this planet for. So my, um, my advice is fight, Find ways to talk about it and give it a voice and acknowledge it and let it feel seen and heard. But then also be aware that continuing to talk about the problem again and again and again and again only makes it more of a problem. So I used to have a difficult situation with a neighbour um, in a previous house I lived in who, in hindsight, was... Um, I personally think having grown up with someone who's who had severe mental health problems, mm. um, this person displayed very, very similar traits of aggression, big, bad stuff. And that triggered me. It, it really triggered me. And I was grateful for that opportunity to recognize that I had to do some deeper inner work. So I was I recognized that his um, aggression made me realize that I needed to do some more change work. Um, I've gone off on a beautiful ADHD style tangent, which happens now and then. So we're talking about talking about the problem. That's right. So I always, I always make a suggestion to my subconscious mind that if a thought goes away, it always comes back. <laughs> it always does. It does. Yeah. So I started going back to that original thought. I started in that moment living in the building with this particularly aggressive neighbor mm -hmm. i started to strengthen the neural pathways in my brain that i didn't want by continuing to talk about how stressful it was and i made myself a hundred times more stressed than i needed to be because i kept wording in my head the letter i was going to write to his partner about how incredibly stressful it is living within an environment with someone who is clearly got problems um, and is causing a lot of distress for the people around us even talking about it now, uh, the other part of me is going, stop, come on now, you've, you've changed that now, you've healed from what you needed to heal, it, it triggered you, you healed that, move on. So, <laughs> but the other, the other, so the old part of me is wanting to, to talk about, but if I talk about the stress too much, all I do is make those neurological pathways in my brain stronger. Neurons that fire together, wire together. I don't know if you've heard that phrase. It's a well-known phrase in the hypnotherapy and NLP world. NLP is neuro-linguistic programming, which is taken from the principles of hypnotherapy um, and other stuff. Um, anyway, neurons that fire together, sorry, neurons that wire together, fire together. If you look at videos of neurons sticking together, they literally kind of go and they create a pathway in the brain. Let's say, for example, I pick up an apple and I eat it and it's the inside of it's moldy. I'm going to put it, oh, yuck, throw that away. That's created a teeny tiny little neural pathway in my brain. Oh, just be aware next time you pick up an apple. So I pick up an apple, I don't know, 
a day later or an hour later and I eat it. And if that apple is also moldy on the inside, I'm gonna, that neural pathway would have got stronger in my brain. I would have gone, oh, yuck, another one. Now, if that happens a couple of times, three or four times, I'm gonna have an association with picking up an apple. That's created a neurological pathway in my brain. Um, and that this is how phobias develop. The subconscious mind is trying to protect me from picking up a dodgy piece of food and eating it because my subconscious mind's primary objective is to keep me alive. Of course, a moldy apple's not gonna kill me. That's, this is just an example. Yeah. Um, but that's how a neuro neurological pathway can form. If something particularly traumatic happens, like a car accident, then a neural pathway, um, the brain creates those neural pathways super fast. And hypnotherapy is one of the most powerful ways of changing the pathway. You can't undo a pathway, but you can put up a roadblock and re-divert onto a new pathway, which starts as a dirt path with just a few neurons, but over time with repetition can become a six lane motorway. And that becomes more interesting, more powerful, more nice, and more attractive for the brain than the old neural pathway, which has been blocked off anyway. Hmm. So that's how the, that's that's the science behind what we're doing. So on the surface, it might seem that we're talking about healing the inner child and and light and and love and unicorns and rainbows and all the metaphor and analogy in the world. But what we're actually doing is we're rewiring the brain. And and I personally think, on a deep spiritual level, we're doing some deeper spiritual healing as well. But you know, science is showing us that there that these things, the spirits, spiritual and the scientific, are starting to research is starting to bring those two together. In my opinion, mm. um, so anyway, that was that. There are a thousand tangents we could go off from that. Yeah. But with that in mind, how can you start to steer your brain to the results that you want mm. if something like an anxious thought has been coming up? And the best way to do it is if you talk to yourself about, um, you know, the self-talk, for example, I'm not good enough, I'll never be good enough, um, I don't deserve to be here. One of the best things you can do is actually say, right, cancel that, cancel, cancel, cancel. Now, if you say, I love myself, I deserve to be here, part of your subconscious mind might go, well, you don't yet though, do you? Sometimes it might go, yes, I do. Either way, <laughs> you have to make, you have to give yourself a sentence that is going to be a, um, appealing to your subconscious mind. For example, the thought pattern of, oh, I'm, I'm stressed or, oh, I'm not enough. Can't say cancel that, cancel, cancel, cancel. Every day I'm becoming more relaxed or every day I love myself more and more mm. or I give myself permission to love myself. So you can start to redirect the neural pathways to ones that you want to have, and then give it a few repetitions, days, hours, days, weeks, saying phrases such as, I love myself, become way more achievable. Oh. Does that make sense? Yeah, massively. And please forgive me for this pun, but I've felt hypnotized just listening to you just now <laughs> and, uh, i've noticed that my voice does have that effect so anyone who's driving turn this off and listen when you've when you've stopped <laughs> um, yes but one of the reasons is every time somebody tells a story a person is in hypnosis that's why we do theater storytelling yeah. is incredibly powerful yes it really is yeah and that's that's why 
the Bible is full of parables. That's why um, Aesop's fables are so powerful. That's why we love the hero's journey, which you'll see in most pieces of art, some form of the hero's journey. Yeah, I remember seeing Andrew Scott do something a few years ago at the Old Vic. It was a one-man show, so it was kind of like, well, it was only him on stage, but, you know, one-man shows are particularly hard to sort of pull off in a way to sort of keep you entertained the whole time. Yeah. Some people do it pretty bloody well, and he did it very, very well. It was a show called Sea Wall by Simon Stevens. So anyone who wants to read it or wants to see it, please just go read it. It's online. It's just fantastic. And... He was the story's all about a guy called Alex, and he's just telling his story about a trip to France. I won't spoil it for anything, but it went tragically and horribly wrong. And it's so beautifully and beautifully written. And I couldn't help but just listen to every single thing that he was saying. But what was really irritating about well, about that, was it really irritating? I don't know. But uh, what was really annoying about it was the fact that at one beautiful moment, about three rows back, someone's phone went off <laughs> and he yeah. was in the middle of a monologue, of the, the monologue, and just kind of very, just stood there and just waited and waited and waited until <laughs> eventually yeah. this person, I'm not going to say a bad word because I'm not going to get into that, <laughs> that one, <laughs> uh, but this said individual whose phone was going off was uh, eventually sorted it out and he just carried on. And uh, but for some reason, even throughout that, there was still a quality of him just standing there. Yeah. And I'm just going to wait for you. Just mm -hmm. going to wait for you. And then it was just and then the rest of the show was just hypnotizing as well. And what a masterclass in professionalism. Yeah. So he held the space. Yeah, I think it looked like he comes to an agreement that if a phone does go off, he's not going to try and speak over it or anything, because that's then that just creates noise. Yeah, and it's stressful and yeah. So he just he just stood there and just waited. Yeah. I, okay, can I continue now? Okay, thank you very much. Yeah. Carried on. And there's a lovely quality to that. It's beautiful. Yeah. And and in doing so, he will have gained the he will have clearly already had approval from the audience, but he will have gained an extra level of approval because he didn't make it about himself he didn't suddenly switch off and go can you turn that phone off he didn't make it about himself mm. he, he, everything is about the performance but at the same time he had enough self-worth to just to, to say i'm going to stay here until this distraction is over and i think it takes a lot of confidence and self-worth to do that so knowledge of your worth i'm worthy of being here and i'm worthy of being heard so I'm going to wait till that disturbance calms down before I get on with it. And that kind of brings us full circle to the conversation at the beginning, doesn't it? About knowing your worth, which is not the same as arrogance. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. It's about Ooh. knowing your worth and what you what you deserve and everything. Absolutely. I think, yeah, I think this is great that we're talking about all this today. And it's important to share just stuff that we keep inside. And I think, I think right now, I'm going to throw this out there. Why not? Uh, the biggest thing for me is just, and I've realised it, is that there's there's this quote, and I can't remember who said it. Jay Shetty talks about it. You know Jay Shetty? Oh, I love him. Yeah. Uh, he quoted this from someone. I think it's from an old guru or something like that. I'll, I'll have to Google it later. And uh, the quote was, I'm not what I think I am. I'm not what you think I am. I am what you think you think I am. 
and that and I think I've carried that most uh-huh. of my life. so all my stuff which you know I'm like like you said earlier constantly improving you know I'm, I'm a, as Luke Combs says in one of his songs I'm a constant work in progress and uh this this thing of like don't let constructs of other people and let other people's thoughts or your own perception of what other people's thoughts are that's all belief systems affect your reality yeah don't let any bs affect your inner system and it's like yeah wow. like, so even, liberating yeah even now i'll be honest with you even now i'm just like oh my god what a relief to to take that uh, you're, you're you know holding your clothing as a, as a feeling of almost like a a heavy weight of a cloak that isn't yours that you've just taken off yeah it's not your circus not your monkeys when someone else has an opinion about you i love that phrase yeah <laughs> when someone else has an opinion about you it really is nothing to do with you it's all to do with their bs their belief systems their filters through which they see the world that everyone has filters through which they see something. Um, and if you have an extra layer of filters of, of you perceiving yourself based on how you think they're perceiving you, then that's all these messy filters. None of it's truth, none of it's reality. It's all based on our various perceptions of the world. Mm. You know, if I look at a spider on the floor, um, my ine- well, that's the thing. Some people might have that reaction. I'm gonna go, unless it's something dangerous, then, fine you know but we're in the uk that spiders you know at worst an an annoying bite that's like a bee sting is probably the worst possible thing that can happen thankfully (laughs) but i've not grown i've grown up with a kind of mother um and and father probably as well but mostly mum who would look at a spider and go oh bless it it needs to we need to put that outside would scoop it up and out the window it would go and that was it no drama whereas some people i know and i've worked on this with clients before I um, started to focus more on hypnosis for artists, I would work, I worked with clients with phobias of wasps and spiders and, and um, oh my gosh, so many people with phobias of things that just would, you just wouldn't think would be a thing, but for someone out there it is, mm. which is why I think everyone has to forgive themselves for their subconscious responses. Um, if, a child, let's say a three-year-old child, sees a spider on the floor and a parent or a caregiver or a sibling goes, don't touch it, it's going to kill you, or it's scary, it's a scary thing. Little three-year-old you has just developed a neural pathway, has just downloaded an app onto their brain that is the Be Scared of Spiders app. Yeah. Yeah. I'm quoting a brilliant hypnotist called Karen Hand, mm-hmm. who has um, who mentors. She's given me some sessions. She's brilliant. She talks a lot about the apps that we, you know, we're born with the the basics, mm-hmm. and we learn that we download the apps as we grow up. You know, the learn how to walk app, the balance app, the you know, we we're born with the how to swallow food app. Hopefully, most babies are. Mm-hmm. We're born with the crying, singing, yelling, screaming app. We might download the app that says you shouldn't cry and scream and yell. And that's where hypnotherapy comes in to to either change, update that app or change it so that you can feel comfortable crying, yelling, screaming in your rehearsal on stage. But going back to the baby uh, on, you know, or the three year old that has downloaded that app. The next time they see a spider, this three year old is probably going to go scary thing because they've been told it is. And then that's going to strengthen the neural pathway in their brain. Hmm. 
three, four, five, six times. If this happens, it becomes a thing. Now there might be another baby, or sorry, or toddler, three-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old, whose pet parent goes, <gasps> scary thing, mm. but it just doesn't turn into a pathway for them. Yeah. And they are probably gonna go along in life absolutely fine without any fear of spiders. So you can't necessarily guarantee what thing lands for what person, because there are so many factors that influence the filters that we develop. But this in initial child will have grown up with this sort of thing about spiders and that's what we do hypnosis. So we actually heal or change the subconscious belief system around the app so they can have a new set of BS, which is more empowering for them. Mm. Yeah, I tell you, another one is like, uh, I, I want to get your thoughts on perfectionism in a way. And I think that really, yeah. I've, met, I've met a few people in my time who are really, really particular, you know, that everything's got to be perfect, like perfection exists. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't, you know, we can have something that's utterly fantastic. But yeah. I think I think that comes from a place of what is perfect, the same, the same place of what is normal. Yeah. Know? And uh... to be honest, we are, I personally believe we are perfect in our imperfections. Mm. I've learned to love my imperfections as much as I love the things that I have always liked about myself. Mm. Um, I've learned to love the, the gray hairs. Well, actually I've learned to dye them blue, but that's, I, but I love the gray hairs. I've learned to love the wrinkles. I've learned to love um, the, the, my, the way my, slightly wacky ADHD brain works. I've learned to, to love those things, but there was a time when I hated them. But with this, all this inner work that I've done, I've realized that hating those things about myself was only holding me back. Mm. But I've also learned that to love these things about myself, but also recognize that I'm a work in progress and I've got a heck of a lot of things that I still want to improve on, but it's not, yeah. it's now not coming from an inner perfectionist need for validation or I've, I've got to do this or I won't be good enough. It's now coming from a genuine um, curiosity and desire to better myself because the more I better myself, the more I can help other people mm. with their journeys. Um, but this inner perfectionism thing piece is really interesting because I did you know, with the swing band, I do it because, well, because I love making music, I love singing, I love leading a band, I love the challenges that it gives me as an artist, as well as a um, coach and hypnotherapist. But there was a time when I started the band when I was doing it for approval, I was doing it for validation, and my perfectionism was because I wanted people to love what I did. I wanted them to accept me. And every gig we did, I wanted people to love it and say, oh, wow, you're such an amazing singer. Or, wow, aren't you so good? Mm. And after doing a lot of inner child work and negotiating with my inner perfectionist, because we can have a conversation with that part of you mm. and find out why it's being like that, mm. what beliefs it has, what it's trying to help, help with. In some cases, it's to protect you from something keep you safe by limiting you or whatever it is we work with that part and find out what it needs um once i did that inner work and i realized that it, this need for approval actually i i have learned to approve of myself rather than relying on the approval of my audience what i found is that the next time i got on stage to sing with my band there was one 
number that I well I, I screwed up the the copies of a couple of tracks for this particular gig I handed them out to the musicians I hadn't checked the chords properly one of the songs was completely in the wrong key I'd rehearsed it in my in a key that I usually sing it in this the band had had the wrong copies and I sang the whole of the first um, the head which is the AABA the form of the jazz song yeah completely off key uh -oh. I just made the tune up. I came in, I thought, I'm not in the right key. I kind of looked at the musicians and they kind of went. And I said, so um, did miss the Saturday dance. It's that one. Great song. Dancers love dancing to it because we play for swings, Lindy Hop dancers. And um, I couldn't find my notes. I couldn't find my key center. I just made, couldn't be there without you. Don't get around much any more i just i just made the whole thing up and it was um creative to say the least and i got some funny looks from the band members going what are you doing i don't know and it was funny it was fun oh, yeah. we, because i wasn't in a uh, in a i need approval my brain didn't go into that beta level beta brainwave state or even worse into that fight flight freeze response i stayed in a relaxed in the zone and I got playful. I got curious. And the reason I did that is because I'd done the inner work on not needing approval from my audience. Mm. So some people might say, well, why would you why would you take away the or change the part of you that cares about your audience liking what you do? And my answer to that is no 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 you don't you don't not care. You care deeply about giving them a gift. But it takes away the stress. It takes away the um, the kind of perfectionism that's damaging, and it then creates space for a new kind of healthy. Um, I don't even want to use the word perfectionism. A healthy curiosity as to how we can make this better, because it's no longer a limitation. It's a curiosity. It's an energy of curiosity and playfulness, and that creates better art, in my experience fear and worry and perfectionism just creates limitation but when we deal with the need for approval we no longer need approval then you can be in a, an energy of creativity and joy and playfulness and that's where you get your best stuff yeah that's that yeah <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no no i i i second that actually i think in retrospect i think i when i started to sort of be an actor or say I want to be an actor I think I was doing it for approval in a way and so someone would give me a compliment and I'd be like great but I yeah but uh, but I've learned to give that compliment now to myself in a way and um, feel good about it as well because otherwise I was living off the affection of others to try and build me up and that was not a good thing and uh I've learned now to so and funny but before we came on today we we're talking about widows my public show here and oh yeah and in light of the training here it's the first time I've walked off stage and just thought to myself do you know what I don't care how the audience received it whether they thought I was good bad or indifferent but I personally was happy with what I did you know I did the research that's everything I watched some stuff I worked with Matthew the, the director I did the best job I possibly could. And that's that's all I could, that's all I can do. Obviously, if we had like a six month run of that play, I remember saying, saying to Matt before the end of the run, 
Mm. We, we, we only did four performances, but I was thinking, God, I want to do eight shows. I want to do a working week where we do Monday to Saturday, two shows on Wednesday, two shows on Saturday. Mm. I want to go deeper with this character. I want to keep going further with it. But um, but I think for those four shows, I walked off and I said, you know what? I'm happy with what I did there. And I'm yeah, not yeah. looking to other people to build me back up. And it's funny because um, I was thinking about this the other day about how we kind of, and this is something Gary Barlow mentioned um, in, in an interview he did as well, because he went through a phrase, phrasing like, take that finished. And I know they're back and better than ever now, but yeah. you know, the band broke up, Robbie went off into the sunset and just, mm-hmm. and he went through a period of about 10 years where he was said he was depressed, gained a lot of weight. He just wasn't happy. And um, because of all, but again, living on the outside, because all the media, were just like little vipers on him, just saying, oh, Robbie's so much better than you, you're nothing, you're blah, blah. all those horrible, horrible things you can say to someone. A bit like yeah. the teacher in the playground, as you were saying earlier. Right. Yeah. And uh, oh, I've lost my train of thought. It will come back, it will come back, hang on. Um, it always does. Always does. Robbie Williams Robbie and Williams. Gary Barlow. Oh, here we go, a work in action in progress, here we go. It's coming back, it's coming back. Bear with me, bear with me. It does. And uh, yeah, so he was do- he was doing that, and um, oh yeah, here, there it is. I've got it back. And uh, so he he realised that at the time when he went through it, he went through that dark period, and then he sort of got the band back together. And like I said, they're storming it again. But he said after I sort of got to that nice place, the place where I am now, you know, he lost the weight, he goes to the gym, he's happy, you know, he eats yeah. better. He looks back on that time and thinks. Well, at the time, I remember thinking, oh, I'm okay. You know, I'm still getting through each day and stuff like that. I'm not too bad. But then what? But then in retrospect and hindsight, he thinks, oh, oh, actually, that was, I wasn't great back then. Yeah. And, you know, and I'll be honest to say, I look back on my life sometimes and think, okay, at the time, I remember thinking, oh, I'm okay. But then I look back, I think, oh, my mindset was really not where it should have been. It wasn't great at all. And then you, you could argue... Yeah. You argue that your mindset was exactly where it needed to be in order for you to possibly springboard to where you were meant to go maybe yeah. I, you know I, I like to think of it that way actually that, that was where I was meant to be and you know as so many famous people say now you know you know I think Paul Simon for example says would you if someone asked him would you go back and change the thing that happened in the past he said absolutely not yeah. every every mistake every time I made a fool out of myself every time I did something wrong led to me actually correcting that and doing the right thing and so as that old phrase it makes you the person you are today and yeah and believe you me I've still got plenty of living left to do you know and oh gosh yeah and I've still got more stuff to do but I've never I, done no 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 never 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 never, never never done with a piece of Shakespeare or a song no, There's always no. something new you can find. Always, we're never done with our learning, our growth. I'm making mistakes on a daily basis. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. I'm. I mean, I'm not. I like to say I'm in a much better place now, but I've still. I'll always have lessons to learn. Every one of us on this freaking planet, as yeah. always, we're going to go through life and constantly keep learning about things, which is just great. Yeah, uh, yeah. That Sorry. brings us to the that that conversation, that piece about arrogance we were saying at the very beginning, doesn't it? Yeah. That you know, I think arrogance is the assumption that you have nothing to learn. That's ego. But I think it's perfectly okay to say, yeah, I'm good at what I do, but I still have a lot to learn. Mm. And I 
I'm good at what I do, but I'm not the best. None, no one's the best. No. You know, I'm not the best band leader. I'm not the best hypnotherapist, but I am right for certain people and I am good at what I do. And I think for you as an artist to be able to say, I'm good at what I do and I love what I do and I have things to learn every single day and I'm going to continue learning. I'm flawed, but I'm still good at what I do. I think there's a lot of power in that, which is not the same as saying I'm the best and I have nothing to learn. That is ego. Mm. Whereas, yeah, to acknowledge what you do and say, I'm an artist. I love doing what I do. I deserve to be heard and seen just like every human deserves to be heard and seen. That self-worth, that self-confidence is a completely different thing. Mm. And again, full circle, talking about uh, Robin Williams, there's a fantastic line in Goodwill Hunting when he says, um, Sister Matt Damon. Matt Damon? Yes, that's, yes, that's right. That's yeah. I, I nearly said Matt Smith, that's Doctor Who. And uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we're not, not anymore, actually. I'm looking forward to that. Story. Yes. Uh, Really so cool. Uh, he says to Matt Damon's character, you're not perfect sport. And guess what? This girl you're interested in, she ain't perfect either. Perfect. The question is whether you're perfect for each other. And, yeah. And it's yeah. just fantastic. Yeah. Wow. I'm oh, just, that's juicy yeah. stuff. <laughs> I'm very aware. I've got all these questions here and I've only got to one of them so far. <laughs> <laughs> no, we but, can always do another podcast. We can talk some more. Oh yeah, there'll definitely be a. We could do a part two. This is, this is mm. great. Let's just. I know we want to show the uh, the session a bit uh, towards the end, and I know time is slightly against us now. But th this has been fantastic so far. So thank you for this. Um, let's see what's what's one we can sort of address now. Um, okay, here's a good one. Uh, I would say for anyone listening who's applying for drama school or applying for a job or whatever it is that you need to you need that bit of boost to say you know keep keep the faith you know have, have a positive mindset and this is one of the questions we talked about um is how to how to develop a keep the faith attitude or slash mentality and remembering your why as mr simon sinek says mm, oh, love love simon sinek mm -hmm. um well, I think, well, first of all, remember your why, simply remember your why. Why am I doing this? Like you said about going to the office and your heart and soul knew that you were meant to do something that was different. <laughs> that office is suitable for some people and not for others. Yeah. Arguably, but you're, that's another conversation. Um, the, why, the why is so important. Um, but also, even if the why isn't big, you know, it, it can simply be, I want to play. I want to be playful. It doesn't have to be, I want to you know, be on stage accepting my Tony Award. It doesn't have to be that. It can just be, I want to explore this. So your why doesn't have to be huge. I think that's the first thing that's important to speak into is that not everyone has a massive goal. You know, my goal was just, I knew I wanted to do music and do something with it, but I didn't have a clue what. And as my, journey, my life journey has unfolded, I'm getting closer and closer to my soul's purpose. But I was also supposed, always supposed to go through these slightly wiggly routes in order to get here so that I've got a wealth of experience to offer people. Mm. Um, so not having a strong why, every why is a strong why, even if it's just I want to have a go and see, because if I'm on my deathbed and I didn't have a go, I would regret that. That's a big enough why, you know. So that's the first thing. Um, the other thing is when you're auditioning for, for any performing arts course, um, know that people's response to you is 
is not actually about you. It's about them. It's about how they perceive you. Um, it's about the filters that they have through which they see you. They might have seen 20 people who happen to be six foot two and blonde this morning already. And if they don't accept you, it's not because you're not necessarily talented. It's because you are probably the next six foot two blonde person. They've just, they need someone who's five foot three and got dark hair or whatever. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's very rarely about you. Um, if they, and Michael Hoffman said this in that talk that we had, if you remember, if the, the Hollywood director, if somebody, and I always say this as well, if somebody asks you to do something, like they give you feedback, for example, okay, stop, 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 do it this way. It's not because they, they don't like what you're doing. It's because they want to get playful and, and bring something else out of you. And I'm going to add to that. It's because they probably haven't, or it may be because they haven't yet seen in you something that they see you could bring to the work. So if you ever get feedback, it's you always because they know that there's something you could be bringing to it that you haven't brought to it yet. So feedback is always beneficial in that respect. Um, talking of feedback, going back to that phrase, there is no such thing as failure. There is only ever feedback. For every performance I've given that I felt was a failure in some way because I cracked on that high note or I didn't do my I did my best in the given moment we can only ever do our best I didn't do the performance justice as I felt that's useful feedback what am I going to do differently next time you know so there's never failure there's only feedback every time that you don't get into drama school that means there's something that you could need to do next in order to get further so for goodness sake don't just sit on your laurels for a year and hope that talent's enough to get you through because talent is not enough. There is, I hate to say it, no, I don't hate to say it, it's a beautiful thing. There is a lot of talent in the world. What there's a lack of is people with skill and self-belief. When you build your skill set and your self-belief to match the talent and the creativity that you have to give, that's when you're on fire. That's when you're given amazing performance. That's when you'll walk into the room and people will see you perform and go, I want to work with this person. Mm. The trouble is too many people go into an audition wanting to be liked without the self-belief. They're wanting the audition panel to do the work and give them their self-belief. Oh, yeah. But you've got to have it in you already so that when you do go into the audition, you you basically go in going, here, I'm an open book. This is who I am, full of my my messiness, my however, however my brain works, my creativity. I'm just going to give you what I've got. My quirks. And my quirks, yeah. This is what I've realised. For years, I tried to be the singing teacher or the voice teacher or the hypnotherapist that I thought people wanted me to be. And now I go, you know what? If you don't get how my brain works, I will happily put you in touch with a hypnotherapist who is the right fit for you. And if it's not me, that's fine. I'm not going to suit everyone. There are people who are going to look at me and love what I do and I'm very blessed that there are those people but there are also people who are going to look at me and go oh I can't stand her and that's okay there's always going to be those people if there aren't those people then we're all doing something wrong because oh yeah you want to be a bit polarizing in the things you say and do yeah you can't please everyone in life it's just just not possible yeah and not possible. 
So as a performer, as an artist, when you go in, you have you have to think, okay, I'm not going to please everyone. This director, this casting director, or this director might love what I've got to do, got to give, or they might hate it, and that isn't actually to do with me. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm a. I grew up being a people pleaser, and oh yes, yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> Will you be my friend? Will you be my friend? I was like an like I was like an excited Labrador in the middle of a park. I was just like, "Will you be my friend?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but yeah, but I think over the years, it's just, it's just learning to adopt this mentality of just like, "Okay, I'm just going to do my thing." And if you don't like it, then well, yeah. it makes me happy. So if you knock yourself out doing your own thing, sunshine. So absolutely, yeah. Uh, and it's nice being liked. We all like that because our as a part of us. That's better. Yeah, yes, of course. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say walk around going, oh, I'm going to be a, a, an asshole and take me or leave me, like me or... That's not what I'm saying. No, 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 of course not. Of yeah. Course. But there's, yeah, there's there, there's something nice about someone saying, oh, I loved your performance. But equally, when you can be in the mindset that someone, if someone comes up and says that, you can go, oh, great. And then if someone else comes up and say, I hated your performance, you can equally say, oh, great. Great, great either way. Yeah. You are the rock and the waves can crash around you, but you just stay. This is me doing what I do, doing my best, yeah. taking the feedback. Yeah. So that when I did that a different swing band gig and the organizer came up to me, clearly having had a great time and but also gave me some feedback. He said, oh, my gosh, absolutely loved it. And a part of me wanted to go, yay. And then he said, but some of the feedback was you didn't play enough fast numbers you just played too you played too many slow numbers and the dancers weren't that you know there were some of the dancers that didn't like that mm. um the other the part of me could equally have gone oh but i didn't i thought yay great feedback next time i'll make sure we do more fast numbers mm. and you know what i'll probably do that and then half the dancers will say oh you played too many fast numbers <sighs> oh, do you know what i mean can't it's, win. <laughs> you can't it's not no. about but you, what you can do you well you can win actually because you can take the feedback from every single performance and hone it and improve and improve and improve and until you 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 just get better and better at what you do so every single audition you do you're getting better and better and actually that's a really powerful affirmation to give yourself before you go into an audition every audition i do i get better and better because i'm only learning i'm only gaining feedback when you go in when you go into an audition with that mentality rather than the please like me mentality, you're going to have a completely different energy in the room. Oh, yeah, hugely. Yeah, it'll take your brain out of that fight, flight, fear, freeze mm. response mm. into a more creative alpha brainwave state where you can be in flow. That's when you remember your lines more easily. Yeah. And I think um, I just want to just mention um, also there's a great thing about like exams or auditions, or I think in any circumstance, interviews, whatever, but particularly yeah. for what we do, like auditions. You know, as soon as an audition's done, you just say like, thank you, and just get it out of your head. And then now just move on to the next thing. You know, don't, don't dwell on things, is that, that's what I want to say, because, you know, again, I'm very guilty of that. In the past, going, oh, did I, did, I, did I do that right? I think they liked me. Now it's just like, just do, as long as you, you're happy, you did the best you can. And also in, in contrast to that, when they say, if you do a bad audition and you think, oh, I didn't, okay, I didn't, I didn't do that too well, but okay, but now I know what not to do next time. And, you know, and just look forward to the next project and um, always best mentality to have, I think. You're right. You're absolutely right. After every audition um, and performance, I would sit down and journal, not, not pages and pages, but I just write down, okay, 
what what did I learn from today? What did I learn from this process? Mm. Oh, and sometimes it's oh, I learned that um, I need to remember where the spotlight is. That was a bit stupid, but sometimes <laughs> sometimes it's actually oh, <laughs> yeah, I learned that I need to listen to the other actors more rather than rather than thinking what's my next line. I just need to listen to what they've asked me or said to me. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big thing that I learned this year. We worked with Andrew Davidson, who's also been on the show. Oh, uh, amazing. Yeah, he was a lovely, lovely guy. And he yeah. just kept saying, and another thing, um, again, I know I, I know we're pushed for time, but I just want to just mention just one last thing. Uh, well, actually, two, two last things, actually. <laughs> but now we've got Andrew involved. Uh, Andrew sort of talked about every day, he would always start with the same vocal warm-up and the same physical warm-up as well. He would always say, walk with purpose and even imagine like your soul imagine where your solar plexus is imagine there's like a, a headlight or a car headlight and every time you're around, you switch your headlight on and you walk around the room you know and the light goes outside the room it goes right to the edges of the universe right to the edge every corner everywhere you go and then also that's stuff we do with the grania burn as well yes and, uh, just keep going and going and going and always walk with purpose and always do that and uh I'm going to say this. I've sort of created like a little like impression of him, which I'm not going to do now. But uh, yeah. <laughs> he always goes, engage your scene partner, engage with them all the time, and like every single session. And I think like if you hear things like that and you go, you sort of think, okay, engage your scene partner. It's like, okay, great. And then you don't hear again for like a week and that can kind of just trickle out of your brain. But every single day for six weeks, he kept saying, engage your scene partner, engage your scene partner, listen to them and listen to them. And now that's ingrained in up here in my brain and in my body. And it's like, always listen to the others, other actors and listen to, you know, like today, you know, just I, I listen to you and I'm learning so much. And I've really enjoyed hearing everything you've said. And it's just that listen to that. And again, there's another quote. I, I'm like quoting stories and quotes all over the place in the moment. But uh someone said i can't remember who said it but they said if you don't listen to others you're not going to learn anything i'm getting this probably wrong but, but you are you, right yeah but if you listen you might learn something yeah i've learned so much and it's just amazing I and mean, keep learning so much as well just by listening to other people and saying so what do you think about this oh my gosh yeah yeah you're so right it's something i need to get better at doing because i love talking <laughs> it's actually listen it's to listen more um yeah oh my gosh there are so many things i could speak into but how about we do another podcast we have to do a part two i think we'll have part to do part two uh we'll get a session in that one as well i think that'd be really mm. good um, i know we're, we've got 10 minutes uh, but i just want to ask, ask you one more question just before you shoot off and i'll yeah. say out of everything you've done in your career acting uh the swing band music hypnotherapy well, it could be more than one example, actually. What's been an experience or experiences that you'll never forget? Oh, my gosh. I think, okay, so what's coming up is actually all those moments in my career where I release attachment to outcome. Uh -huh. So I did it for my GSA audition for the musical theatre training yeah. back in the day. Um, I did the audition. I, I mucked up my my dance call royally. I thought I had just that was it. Um, I think I, I thought oh sod it, and I went for a triple pirouette and messed it up. 
they saw something in that moment of oh i'm gonna give it a go and obviously it was enough but i actually i remember putting my jeans back on over my dance kit thinking i'm not gonna go to interview today i can just i i'm well maybe i am either way i'm just gonna put my clothes my you know my sort of muggle clothes back on as a way of saying to myself i've released attachment to outcome um and it was that moment where i just let the cloak drop mm. let the facade drop i was 100 percent myself and then i was called into interview and because i was i'd released attachment by that point i was more myself than i would have ever been if i had that mindset of oh please like me a similar thing happened um in Spain a few years ago, there's a brilliant jazz musician called Gordon Webster, the Gordon Webster Band. He is incredibly well-known among the swing dance world, Lindy Hop dancing. And I love to dance. Uh, so I was on this trip in Spain. I've done it for a few years. I know the organizers because my band has played for them. And they kept saying, various people who knew me from my band kept saying, oh, Katie, Gordon's playing this year. Are you going to sing with him? Are you going to sing with him? And I was going, oh gosh, it would be really nice to meet him. And it got really eggy and really awkward. And then when I did meet him, I wasn't myself. We've all been there. We're trying yes. too hard. Yeah. And it was just painfully awkward. I know. Please, please like me. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> when I think back, oh, I've had, to, I've had to learn to let go of the cringe. Anyway, that, that was that didn't happen the, yeah. the band were awesome the next year uh, i showed up again on the same dance trip everyone there was saying katie are you gonna gordon's back again are you gonna sing with him this year and you know i, I always sang with the poolside to backing tracks i hate backing tracks but it was a bit of fun so they were like they said you know will you sing by the pool like you usually do and i said oh we'll, we'll see you know if they ask me great i'm not gonna pressure it um i just completely let go of attachment to outcome and what something interesting happened in that moment and when people said are you going to sing with gordon and people just kept going kept coming up to me and saying that i said well yeah it'd be lovely but it's not my place they have a singer um so i said you know we'll we'll see if it happens it happens and a little inner voice something shifted internally a little inner voice said go to the hotel to eat dinner tonight don't go back to your apartment go to the hotel so i was like Okay, I've learned to listen to that inner voice after a particularly traumatizing skiing accident when the inner voice I didn't listen and I ended up Yes, that was interesting. That was a good that was a good lesson. <laughs> I listened to the inner voice now and I listened to it and it and anyway, I went to the dining room and the organizer came and sat, sat next to me and said, "Um, do you want to sing with Gordon tonight?" And I said, "Yes, of course." I said, "Why why?" I said, "What's happened?" And he said, "Oh, the singer's stranded in Barcelona." Ah. And I said, hold my wine. And I went to the, the theatre, to the big ballroom, and I sound checked then and there because they just arrived. And I sang that night. And it was one of the most empowering, fun moments of my career, that aspect of my career as an artist, as a singer. Um, it was electric on stage because I had let go of attachment to outcome. I showed up, I grabbed my iPad. Oh, that's some advice. I have an iPad, on my iPad, I have a list of all the tunes I sing in the keys that I know them in, rated from favorites, can do it off the cuff, down to, oh, I'd need a bit of rehearsal for that one. Mm -hmm. And so, and I said to him, right, here's my list. And he looked at it and went, oh, let's have a go at that one. Did it, um, it's jazz rather than musical theater. So it's very much, we vibe, we 
follow each other. He says, solo, trumpet player, go. You know, it's one of the, it's that kind of thing. Um, anyway, we had I had one of the best performing experiences of my life because I was just being me. I wasn't trying to be anyone else. And I learned from that moment that when you release attachment to outcome, something something a bit magical happens, something mysterious happens, serendipity happens, lead singers get stranded in Barcelona, which is what happened. Her plane was cancelled. She did show up after at set three, and the first thing she said to me is, oh my gosh, thank you so much for covering for me. Like a true pro. Anyway, I gigged with them that night. We jammed together. I gigged with them the next night because they did two gigs, and it was epic. Mm. Yeah. So let go of attachment to outcome. That's when the serendipity happens. Yeah, that's amazing. That's mm. amazing. I just want to just mention one last thing. I mean, we're both in that same boat. I mean, that that story about you you meeting someone for the first time and just being like, "Hi, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not." I'm not. And uh, <laughs> I hope I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from what you just said. That's fantastic. But I just really want to just say one more thing. Mm. I remember going to my first ever drama school audition, and it was at Rada. <laughs> of all, <laughs> I was petrified. I was, literally, <laughs> I was doing. I was sitting outside. I think I said earlier about rehearsing it on the train, but I was actually outside the room, going, "Okay, the next line is this, next line is that." That's. I was very early in the acting journey, and uh, I walked in, and I recognised one of the people on the panel. I'd seen her on Doctor Who and stuff like that, and I. Again, I just thought I had to have this, like the nerves kind of got to me and I walked in and they offered their hands out to shake when I was like, hello, Oliver, nice to see you, nice to see you, nice to see you. This is one of our current grads. And I turned to the lady on the panel who I recognized. <laughs> to this day, I don't know why I said this. <laughs> and I, looked at and I, I didn't say hello. I just went, I've seen you on television. <laughs> feedback right <laughs> and, I just, and she just went oh thank, thank you very much and i was like uh, what did you just do we've all done it oh all of us <laughs> yeah that's a, that's public news now there you go it's out there that's, out. That. that's out on apple spotify and youtube and all other major platforms great, <laughs> this is great. anyway sorry i didn't i didn't mean to um so, so Not at all. i didn't mean to that but casey that's that's a beautiful story serendipity just just say that that phrase again serendipity and letting go of alcohol. oh gosh what was it i said i was i was in the zone i was in flow so i um something yeah. about yeah. Let go let, yes let go of outcome because that's when serendipity happens yeah and that's when the magic happens as well that's, yeah something magical happens and serendipity steps in and because you allow things to happen rather than force them forcing doesn't work yeah, never. At least it might in the short term, but it's never going to help in the long run. Yeah, and just live in the moment, and that's when it all happens for you. Yeah, yeah. But, but be prepared. Of course, yeah. Have yeah. your song list on the iPad. Yeah. What was that app, by the way? Was it was an app you used. What was it? Oh, oh no, it was just notes, and I just oh, had, I do actually. If you do want sheet music on your iPad, um, Fourscore is a great app. Fourscore. Just pay for it. It's worth it. Any yeah, MT uh, for actors listening? That's your app. And. Um, Wow, Katie, this has been so enthralling and I and hypnotizing. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for inviting me. No, no, we, so it's been so interesting and I've, to share so many stories and stuff like that. And I'm not, I'm an open book, you know. I don't mind all this stuff being out there because it's part of my journey. It's part of all of our journeys, um, and I think more people just, just embrace that, and then that's what helps you to become stronger. Absolutely and, right. 
Yeah, and that's why you're just a leader in your field and everything that you do and, you know, think, you know, you you change lives, I think, and will continue to change many more people's lives going forward. So just keep up the amazing work that you're doing. And yeah, it's been a genuine pleasure. We need to do a part two. We've still got so many stuff, so much stuff we need to talk about. But just uh, the surface. Yeah. And I will add, I will speak one more thing into what you've just said. Yeah, is of course, yeah. You say that I, I've done the work, but I really, I know this might sound a bit corny, but it it's not me. I'm just the guide. Mm. It, the work comes through me and it's always you that does the change. I just, I just show you how. Yeah. Uh, like, like a good director will just un unlock the doors for you and make suggestions and, and bring stuff out of you. That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm helping you um, have access to your innate ability to, to heal your mind and to, and to make changes that you want. Yeah. And, but you are the very, the very important door which uh, which people go through in order to become the person that they want to be and like you say we, we scratched the surface we've still got so much more we can talk about we will talk about there will be a part two and uh which will we will sort out at some point but yeah and yeah once again casey thank you so much for today if you just hang on i'll end the, uh, if hang on i'll say goodbye to you once one after i end the recording but uh thank you for watching thank you for listening this is the uncensored critic podcast and i will be back soon and once again katie thank you so much thank you